welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is sara jang from legacy bloom investments llc welcome sara thank you rama for having me it's a great sunday thanks for being on the show a little bio about sara sara is ceo and founder of legacy bloom investment llc sara has been a leader in real estate finance over 17 plus years in addition to being a real estate investor her passion is to help people with passive income real estate strategies as it provides opportunities for financial freedom her broad range of experience in real estate finance includes underwriting loan structuring and packaging with experience in new construction renovation programs affordable housing programs and multifamily residential financing so with that sara would you like to add anything to your background yeah well thank thank you rama for for the introduction um yeah so i've um i've been in the mortgage banking business for actually a little over 18 years now and uh have done all kinds of financing over the years in both residential and uh new construction custom home construction type financing as well as multifamily and some various affordable housing programs And so I took all of that experience over the years and started building um a real started doing real estate investing and I've done real estate investing on and off through the years and and you know come full circle to where I am now with with investing into multifamily. Great. So how did you get started into real estate and multifamily, Sara? Yeah, so well being in the real estate business and being in the mortgage banking business, you know, it's pretty natural to just you know explore real estate investing so very early in my career um i started to see started working with clients who had you know were buying properties and both for their uh, primary homes but also for investment purposes and after a while um i started to see what those benefits were on those income properties that they were buying they were getting the cash flow from their tenants and you know they were you know it, i mean besides you know buying the property and maintaining it you know it was pretty much a passive source for them and so after some time um i got very interested in investing in my in in my or investing ourselves and so we started to buy some rental properties ourselves and we started to go down that path over the years we we went through the real estate crash and you know we had some really good learning lessons from that and then we or i should say i started to buy some additional rental properties out of state and just because of the, because they tended to cash flow a little bit better just because of the the prices instead of looking here in California I started looking out of state and then I got into multifamily because I started to buy a portfolio of rental properties and just with all the things that were coming with each rental property I you know figured out that you know if I wanted to get a certain passive amount of rental income a month you know I needed to have so many homes and you know instead of having you know 50 single family homes I thought it would, it actually made more sense to buy apartment buildings or bigger multifamily you know type type properties just because of the scalability you know being able to leverage them and not only leveraging the financing on them but also leveraging other people's money and uh you know through syndication so i really like that concept and so i went into a few um few uh, deals uh, as a as a limited partner or as a passive investor to get my feet wet and uh really like the experience and really like the concept of it just because again i was finding that there was a lot of work and uh you know a lot that goes into trying to maintain and manage single family homes and the returns just are not there because you know as soon as i have something that i have to fix if i have to replace a dishwasher you know i might you know i might have lost all my returns that year 
So, so yeah, so that's how I kind of, that's how it evolved. And that's how I got started into it. And, you know, just a lot of learning lessons over the years and just being, you know, observing a lot of clients over the years, seeing what, what, you know, what the real estate benefits were for them as well. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. How do you find these passive investment opportunities? So I, uh, well, just through my networking. So, you know, I, you know, just being in finance and real estate, uh, I know quite a few investors that are in the space. And so there's, you know, a lot of investors, multifamily investors, syndicators. And so it's really just setting out the operators setting out the deal, you know, and seeing what, what makes sense. Great. So what are all the factors you would consider before investing in any deal? Uh, well, that's, that's, a, that's a good, great question. I would say probably that the, the first thing that comes to mind is looking at the operator's experience, looking at the syndicator's experience in multifamily and, and how in their experience in managing the, uh, the asset or the apartment building. So, you know, in my opinion, I mean, you can have a great deal, but that great deal uh, you can have a great deal all day long, but if it's not operated properly and if there's not enough experience behind the operation side, then it doesn't matter how good of a deal it's going to be because it's, at the end of the day, it may not even be a good deal. Right. Um, so, so, so really the syndicator's experience and not just the, the syn- I mean, it's really just the whole team's experience because it's not a one person type of thing. It's a, it's a team thing. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different people involved. And so looking at, you know, the different aspects of the team, how much experience they have, you know, what they bring to the table, what their previous track record is. All of those things I look at because you're, you're not just investing in a, an apartment building, you're investing in the people that are running it and that are standing behind it. And so to me, that's really the utmost important part of it is making sure that the team um, is transparent and has, you know, operates with integrity and is, has a business plan to manage, manage the risk um, on the deal because obviously there's always risk. And, but as long as they have a, a plan to mitigate that and they have the steps in place you know, to, to be prepared for a worst case scenario. Right. So once you decide to invest in particular deal, so from your side, what kind of due diligence you would perform? Well, so I mean, just because, so I, so because I'm in real estate and because I'm pretty familiar with financing and I'm pretty familiar with underwriting, you know, I would say you know, myself as a passive investor, I probably have more just firsthand knowledge, um, just being, you know, going into the deal as a limited partner. But I do like to look at the performance. I do like to underwrite it, do an analysis on my own. I do like to see how the the, the general partnership, how they came up with the returns, um, where their numbers are coming from, and how they're coming up with their projections. If, you know, if they're, for example, if they're projecting increased rents, you know, if the rents are under market, then looking at how realistic is it that those rents would be would, would be able to be increased um, over the whole period. And then also how much capital it would, you know, something would need. So if there's capital improvements, looking to see what that, what those capital expenditures are and, you know, how much that's all going to cost. And again, just looking at it realistically, you know, does it make sense? And so, and then just, you know, overall looking at the, you know, at the business plan, you know, does it make sense? And, you know, if it's a buy and hold type of situation, you know, again, just looking at their their uh, business plan over the next, you know, five or six years or however long they plan on holding it. If, the, if it's a flip type situation where they're going to, you know, turn it over, uh, they're going to renovate it, turn it over and sell it in a couple of years. You know, then again, just looking very closely at the cost of what it would take to, to turn the units over, get it up to speed, renovate, and then, you know, look at the realistic kind of uh, pr- exit price that, that it could go. So I'm pretty analytical. I like to look at the numbers, you know, but numbers, you know, uh, the numbers speak for themselves to me. But then, you know, but then I'm also looking at the, uh, the operator's ability to, you know, to manage it. Thank you. So like once you invest, like how do you track your passive investment performances? So the, so the few deals that I'm in, they have an investment portal. So there's an investment manage, 
kind of like a management system. And so they're pretty good at, it's the ones that I'm in at least, they're, they're pretty good at, you know, we get quarterly reports as far as our distributions. I also invest with my uh, 401k. So I do have a solo 401k set up and that is really, and, and I've also looked at doing a self-directed IRA, but the solo 401k works the best for me. And so I do track it on an ongoing basis, but the reports that come in from the syndicators are, are pretty good. And they also have these online portals that are pretty friendly and it's really easy to see what the distributions and everything are. Yeah, that's cool. So can you tell me about your best passive investment experience? Well, let's see. So my best experience was probably the one that I just went into last year. It was with a large syndicator. Um, and actually you and I know him with Vinny. And that was actually, you know, I think the, the experience they made one that really great was just working with the team and working with his team as far as just they were it was just it was just a very transparent process and and the ability for them to answer any questions and you know just kind of go through any questions that I had uh, was very helpful and so I there was uh, one I did prior and it wasn't as communicative so I think you know the experience for me was the communication aspect from from the team right uh, one worst passive investment experience. So I do have a, I have a, 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 multi, a small multifamily in the Midwest and it's actually consists of student housing. I have about 10, it, it's basically kind of like a sorority house. It's 10 students. And I would say it's probably the, the worst experience with that one was that as soon as I took over the property, I discovered all of these things that had to get done that I didn't realize needed to get done. This was a few years ago. The boiler had to be, I thought that, you know, I thought we had some life in the boiler completely uh, went kaput. That was, you know, 10,000. And uh, that was right after I bought it. So, and I still have it, you know, it's actually, it's actually a really great, great cash flowing property, but it's like, but those upfront expenditures, I mean, I did learn a hard lesson to, you know, especially when it comes to with older properties to really look at, you know, things like the boiler, things like the HVAC, like things, like all those things that, you know, are pretty much at the end of its life. And, and so I'd say that's probably the worst one that comes to mind at this point. But so far, um, so, but, you know, so far, I mean, generally, I've had a lot of really great positive experience as a passive investor. Yeah, that's good. So let, let's shift towards uh, like your active investment side. So how many total units assess your company currently controls? Well, so we're a fairly new company. I started the company back in 2000, beginning of uh, last year. And I brought in a business partner from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so we have gone into a syndication or we uh, co-sponsored a syndication last year. And then what's really important for me is that what my strategy has been is that I've been partnering with very experienced syndicators who have thousands of units under their belt. And so uh, what we do is, so I bring my expertise and my help in terms of due diligence, underwriting, you know, that kind of stuff, capital, things like that to the team and help, you know, help with the, the process. So this year we actually have a, we are actually, we actually right now working on a new development in senior living. So we have new construction projects in St. Louis that consist of assisted living and memory care. And that we're super excited about. Um, and that's something that I've been working on with that team since last year. And hopefully that'll, that'll be closing here, closing here soon. And so, so that's been my strategy. And, and I think just coast, you know, co-sponsoring with these other large syndicators has been a huge value add, especially for my investors, because it gives them the confidence. It gives us all the confidence that we have all the right players on board. So, right. And what are your focus markets and what is the reason? So my markets that I like to invest in, 
Yes. Okay. So I prefer, you know, Southeast, you know, Florida, you know, kind of, I would say from, you know, the Texas to Florida region. There's some areas of the Midwest I like. I tend to like uh, markets that are more emerging, you know, and I do tend to like uh, secondary markets. And so in the right secondary market, I think there's a lot of opportunity. And so, you know, I'm not really you know, stuck on one particular market. I will look at all markets, but I do like Texas. I do like the Dallas-Fort Worth area only because, I mean, my partner is there, so she's pretty well connected uh, there. And then I also, because I have property in North Carolina, um, I also like the North Carolina market as well. And then I'll, and because I have property in Georgia, I also like that market. So uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty open in that, but those are kind of the primary markets that I probably prefer. Okay, so and what's your in- investment criteria for selecting your deal? Well, so, you know, I think to get the best return, you know, we look at uh, your typical, you know, value add type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're buying something, you can buy something under market or you can buy something uh, going in at a discounted price or with an equity position at, you know, at entry. And then you can renovate either one, you can renovate it, raise the rents, turn the, turn the units over and bring up the value that way. So I think, I think that's been a good strategy. The other thing that I like is I do like some B-class apartments because B-class, it, it tends to be, it, it's, um, I find that the tenants, the demographics that go, you know, into kind of class B tend to be a little bit more stable, not as high as a turnover necessarily. But again, that kind of also just depends on the market that it's in. Right. So and what kind of underwriting guidelines you would follow for your deals? So generally speaking, I mean, we look for annualized return between cash flow and equity, somewhere between 15 uh, I would say a minimum of 15% is where we like to start. We like to start at about a 15 IRR and then go up to uh, an annualized return of, you know, let's say up to 20%. I think that range is pretty comfortable. And I think that most investors, including myself, uh, find that to be attractive. And then as far as cash flow, and there's some deals that are more equity based and there's some deals that are more cash flow. And so if we're looking at more of a cash flow property, then our minimum really is a 10% ca- uh, cash on cash return or higher to you know for for to for us to consider it okay and what kind of financing you have got for these deals well so i work with so i personally don't do the financing on the multiple when when we go and acquire a deal i work with the lenders who can give us the financing but because i have a financing background it's pretty helpful for me to understand you know what kind of terms we can get and so uh, so there's a number of finance or brokers that you know that we work with to get terms on deals and you know and we just we just vet each one out to you know, to see not only who can give us the best terms, but also, you know, come through and do the closing. Okay. And what kind of terms you got and you know, what are the standard terms? Well, standard terms, generally, um, if it's Fannie Mae type financing, you know, typically it's going to be, let's say, a five to 10 year type term. Uh, typically, you can get like an interest only for the first, you know, one, two, three years. And the rates are, you know, so low right now that, you know, they're, they're pretty attractive under 4%. You know, so, so we look at this, you know, I... I would say I'm not comfortable with anything less than a five-year term. I, I don't like the idea of having a short-term fixed rate. So what I do is I do look at anything that's like a seven or 10-year term. Right. Um, even, even if we're going to sell it prior, based on my experience, it's just, you know, if you go too short, even if you're really confident you're going to sell it, you just never know. It's, it's, but it just adds too much risk. And so I'd rather, have, I'd rather have the flexibility to have a longer term at a fixed rate. Right. So how long do you plan to hold your properties? Well, so the, the syndications that we're in are typically five years. So uh-huh. That's the business plan. For my rental properties, I mean, those are going to be probably, well, for a long time, probably like 10, 
at least 10 years, but typically it's five, uh, three to five years is, is pretty standard. Right. Who manages your properties? Uh, so I have a couple of properties that I manage and I have a couple of properties that are managed professionally. Like for example, student housing is managed by a local because it's on campus. That one's managed professionally. And then I have another one um, just because of where it's located, it's managed professionally. And then, and then the other ones are, are pr- pretty easy, you know, for me to, to manage. Right. So how, how are you managing your properties during COVID? Any challenges? Well, knock on wood, so far I've been pretty lucky. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been very fortunate. All of my tenants are still paying. I haven't had any issues. Even the student housing, believe it or not, I, I was very concerned that they would that we'd have issues there. But we actually haven't had any issues. You know, the students, because their parents guarantee the lease, they're basically guaranteed the, pay, the rent. You know, we're still getting rent payments, uh, no problem on those. And, and everybody else seems to be, you know, uh, so far we, we haven't had any issues. So I feel pretty lucky in that aspect. Um, I haven't been affected, at least on my properties so far, uh, when it comes to COVID. But, you know, but, I, but we are prepared, you know, if we need to be. That's good. From Active Investment side, uh, would you like to share any of your best and worst experiences? Well, I mean, uh, so the, well, as I mentioned before, probably the one with the student housing that I mentioned where I had to replace the boiler for 10000 that was probably my worst experience as an active investor. And as a passive investor, I mean, passive investing to me, you know, I, I, you know you're active because you're, you're finding the real estate um, and you're doing all the, all the activities to acquire and then hold in and sell the, the, the real estate. But the passive side is just getting, you know, just getting the income. And so I, I would say I don't really have a negative experience. Just, I mean, there's been, you know, I've had negative experiences just dealing with real estate over the years, but nothing, you know, but nothing to a point where I would ever not want to ever do real estate again, you know, because again, in the long run, I feel that it, the, the pros um, definitely outweigh the cons. Right. So and any challenges you faced during multifamily investment journey and how did you overcome them? I think it's a, so when we, when I started the syndication business, you know, I think the challenge is when you're working, so as an active investor, when I'm working with investors to, you know, to go into, you know, the deal that I'm, that I'm acquiring with my team, you know, I think the challenge is, is getting, is, is making sure to communicate everything on the deal and building that trust with the investor and the rapport so that they are comfortable in investing with you. I would say that's probably the, the biggest challenge overall. And I know that's not just with me, that's I think that's just across the board is, you know, is taking the time to invest the time and relationship into your investors so that they, you know, so that they're comfortable, you know, investing in your deal. Because again, it's not just about investing in the deal, they're investing in you as a person, you know, as a person. So I would say that's probably the biggest challenge that, that I think I've continuously, you know, it's not, and, and I, and I very much enjoy doing it, but just as a business, as an active investor, as an active syndicator, that part has to be worked on every day. And, uh, but it is a part that I, that I do enjoy. Right. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Uh, what is something you're excited about now? Well, I'm really excited about, I think the opportunities that are going to be coming into with even, you know, even with the COVID epidemic, you know, I believe that, you know, out of all these challenges, there always comes opportunities. And so I, I feel that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for investors here in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. And, you know, even with the impacts of COVID, I, you know, there, you know, there has been hesitancy and, you know, kind of a hold from investors on, on really, you know, investing in a lot right now. But I think in the next coming months, uh, I think there'll be some good opportunities that we're going to be seeing out there. So, so I'm excited about that. And I'm also super excited about the senior living space that we've been in just because I feel like that space is just, uh, just a phenomenal opportunity. It's a little bit slower because we're new construction. So, you know, you know, we have a couple of years of build of construction before you can lease up, but just that space in general, is something that I'm really excited about. 
about those opportunities. Awesome. And what is the best advice you have received? The best advice that I've ever received is to just to not hold yourself back and to take action. I really wish that I would have taken action a long time ago. And, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, even though I've, I've invested over the years, I, I did spend a lot of time kind of what they call analysis by paralysis or how, whatever that term is. <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of time just kind of, you know, wondering if that was the right decision and wondering and wondering and wondering and then, you know, and not really doing anything about it. And I would say that, you know, if you surround yourself around the right people that, that have the experience that can give you that feedback, that's going to help you, you know, make more of a more of a uh, confident decision and so they're just being able to take action sooner than later just because again i've seen real estate you know uh time is money right so right. so the sooner you the sooner you get into it sooner the better right so any personal habits that contributes to your, your success yeah let's see well i like to stay really active um i think active staying active you know physically you also stay active mentally and and i do take i i make a point that you know every morning and in the evenings you know there's always a period of just you know reflection and journaling and uh quiet time to kind of get you know get my mind ready for the day and that's been, so that's just been a practice and you know and that's usually done first thing in the morning and that's just been a practice that i've just done that helps me just you know get mentally ready and and uh you know and just be you know just be in a good state of mind so and one software tool that helped you to improve your productivity well there's an application that I've used over the years and it's called Trello. I don't know if you're familiar with that or if anybody's heard of that. It's a it's it's kind of like it's it's a T-R-E-L-L-O. And what it is, it's a kind of a project management, task management tool or like kind of platform. Uh-huh. Um, and it's actually really easy to use. Um, I've used it for a number kind of projects, you know, over over the time. And it, it's actually really great for teams. Like we can have other people um, link to it and we share it, it's basically live. Uh, you can make you know, changes live, the, all the changes you make, you know, if you're managing a project, you can track all your activities and your to-dos and, and everything that needs to be done. So that's from a, a kind of a productivity standpoint, I can say that that's probably been one of the one of the better tools that I've discovered over the years. So any books that impacted your life and what way? So the name of the author, author is escaping me right now, but the title of the book is called The Go-Giver. And, and it's basically, it talks about, you know, just living your life, just giving people instead of you know just you know being a giver versus being a taker and you know how the benefits of that you know come around full circle but what i really liked about the book was it also talks about um, not only how you can give but also how it's important for you to be able to receive and so and i think sometimes um we can sometimes it's hard to receive from people because you know maybe we feel we don't deserve it or we just feel like you know we, we have a hard time sometimes taking you know receiving back from people for different reasons but it's, but, I, but I like that concept because it is important for you not only to give, but also for you to, for somebody to be able to receive somebody's gifts that they give back to you, whether it be in their actions or words um, or compliments or, you know, or whatnot. So that's something, and again, I'm forgetting the name of the author right now, but it's called The Go-Giver. And it's just a very small, I think it's like a 50-page book, um, okay. but it, it was very impactful. How are you giving back to community, Sarah? Well, you know, during during COVID, so usually what I would do is I was pretty active with just, you know, participating in my local, you know, just my church activity. With COVID, it's, you know, obviously been very difficult to be able to do that. So I think just, you know, trying to, you know, be able to utilize my time to help others, you know, virtually where I can is kind of, you know, what I've been doing. And then also just, you know, I do have, I, I have uh, two teenagers and a lot of my time is spent really giving back to them. So, nice. so my goal really is just like being a good you know, making sure that I'm available for them and giving, you know, giving to them so that they can be productive, 
you know, adult, because uh, I only have a couple more years left with them. So, so right now, that's probably been my focus is, is you know, making sure that my kids are, are, are the center of my attention. Right. So and best way we can connect with you. Yeah. So everybody can connect with me uh, through my, um, they can contact me through my website. It's www.legacybloom.com or they can email me at sarah at legacybloom.com. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for adding value to the show. Thank you so much, Rama. Thanks for having me and I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.